0: Welcome to the Dive Into Reiki podcast. I'm Natalie, and together we will enjoy a series of conversations that explore the journey of Reiki practitioners and teachers from all lineages. 100% Reiki-focused stories. 100% human. Hi, and welcome to the first edition of the new video interview series, Dive Into Reiki with. And tonight, for the first episode, we have a very, very, very special guest that I heart like a lot. Helene Williams, and I'm trying to say her name as best as I can, but with my accent is hard. Helene, welcome. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. And I'm just going to give a little bit of a bio so people know a little bit of your background, and then we're going to go right into Q&A. So Helene, Helene I'm trying as best, is a registered nurse and Reiki master teacher based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, she has over 10 years of experience providing Reiki sessions in hospital setting and has a well-established private practice. Uh, she has presented information on Reiki and holistic healthcare at two national nursing conferences, participated in a hospital-based Reiki research study, implemented and facilitated a hospital Reiki volunteer program, and in 2013, established the Lancaster Community Reiki Clinic. She also has experience providing Reiki for caring in hospice services and actively, actively volunteers at the VA Medical Center in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Helene is passionate about educating healthcare organizations about the many benefits of Reiki for patients, families, and staff. And we actually met at a retreat with our mentor, Francine, uh, probably two years ago, three years ago, and we saw each other last year in a wonderful retreat in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and. She has many, many surprises, and is just an amazing human being. So welcome, and thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Natalie. I'm super excited to be uh, talking about Reiki in healthcare and, you know, whatever else you decide to ask. I'm um, well, actually going to
0: start uh, with the first time you encountered Reiki. I think, you know, it's great for us. We all reach Reiki through different Googles, friends. So what was your first contact with Reiki practice?
1: So um, actually, I'm, I'm not even sure it was Reiki, but um, my husband and I used to have a farm and we had a little pygmy goat. Well, He wasn't so little. He was uh, a smaller goat and he got um, stepped on by one of our horses and we still had phone books. So I was looking in the phone book for somebody, a veterinarian who might be and, like, look at the goat and see what we could do for his little foot because he was limping. And I contacted this vet who I had never heard of before, and he and he looked at oh, our little goat's name was Elvis, and he said, this is what I want you to do. Every day I want you to take your hands, and I just want you to think about loving energy and just let it flow. And at the time I thought he was a little crazy because I didn't, I'd never heard of any kind of energy healing um, or Reiki or anything else for that matter. Um, So I did and he got better and and forgot about it. Um, And then when I started working um, at Lancaster General in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, my manager, to learn how to do Reiki. And then I was like, oh, you know, okay, I can go back kind of remembering this goat experience and and click and the two things connected. Um, but it was, um, my first experience with that, en- like energy healing, cause I'm not sure it was Reiki. Um, Reiki itself was actually, uh, I learned at the hospital when like within three months of starting there. So I was really, really lucky.
0: Perfect, so yeah, it's funny because there is goat yoga, we should do goat Reiki. But yeah. I'm just going to caveat that today the connection is a little bit off. So if you're looking at the sound, it's a little bit off, or you're listening to this on a podcast, we apologize. But in COVID times, sometimes, you know, the internet is crowded. And we appreciate bearing with us because it's a great story to hear. So you were telling me on your training because uh, you trained a lot, right? So I would love for you to talk a little bit about your journey trying to find uh, that that thing that really resonated with
1: you when it came to learning Reiki versus just taking a workshop and that was it. Right, so after I learned the first level at the hospital, then I was kind of encouraged because I connected with it. Um, I was encouraged by my manager to like, you know, jump to level two and jump to level three so that I could teach Reiki um, at the hospital. And so um, I, I couldn't, for some reason, find the teacher that I learned from at the hospital. So I Googled, Reiki. And at that time, there weren't a whole lot of people, but there was somebody who was close to me. And so I went to her and I I, I still, she's a great teacher, uh, but it was much more of a very westernized form of Reiki. Um, and I kind of, I kept, like I did it and it worked and it was wonderful, but I still felt there was something missing for me. So I, I started going to different classes. I took a lot of different classes. I learned Karuna Reiki. Uh, But I still felt like there was like this missing link for me. And it was really hard for me to teach um, the the Western form that I had learned um, in a hospital setting. Um, And I needed something that was more um, also more practitioner based so that it could be a self-care practice as well. And although I knew that about self-reiki, it wasn't really emphasized um, as much as I know it needs to be now. Um, so then I found out about, um, a teacher, um, uh, about probably two hours away from me. Somebody told me, Helene, you have to take this Reiki class. And I was like, really? I've taken so many. Yeah, what else can I learn? But it was actually one of Franz Dina's students. Um, and, and the first, after the first day, I was like, this is exactly what I needed. And it's of course, a more traditional form where it's uh, focused on the practitioner mostly uh, doing their own work, so that's kind of my journey and that journey was uh probably five or six years. yeah, I love that you told me you went to sedona how many times for the trainings too many to count <laughs> <laughs> and they were, and they were great trainings. it wasn't that they were good train weren't good trainings they were excellent It's just that for some reason I wasn't connecting. Um, with the way I felt like I really needed to uh, when I started to have my own kind of, like really delving into my own spiritual practice. So I was really glad that I was able to keep going and, and find something that I really connected with and, and blend so well into teaching and healthcare.
0: No, And I love that, that you still were so convinced there was something more, right? So like you kept yeah. trying to go deeper. And, and I think, again, I think the beauty of different lineages is we can all connect. I think sometimes for us it's hard to just find exactly the teacher and the lineage that we need to really, you know, practice
1: the way we feel is right for us. So I'm so glad you found the teacher. Yeah. You know, I always tell my students that too, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm glad that you're, and I'm glad that you're loving this class, but if you feel like you need to, you know, add something in or there's something missing, then you know, go take another class from another teacher. I think that's really important that we like as teachers just open that up and say, you know, you know, whatever feels right for you.
0: Absolutely. And continuing education, I think that is so, so important as well versus eight hours. So uh so that means you practice like Japanese style traditional Reiki, you could define it that way, right?
1: Yes, correct. Perfect. Where- so definitely- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Uh, just that it's more of a, a development, you know, spiritual development for myself, lots of meditation, the hands-on practice, working with the precepts, uh, because in order to really hold that space for others, we have to do our own work first. And there's lots of work to do. I have 63 years of work to do. <laughs> so, so the more, you know, the more we delve into ourselves, the more we can really hold that space for others. And it's funny, when I took my first three classes,
0: three to four classes, I basically wasn't even taught my self-care protocol, like the hands position of the self. They thought, like, that was the funny thing is like, so I think sometimes in our wish to help others, we forget that the base is us. And I think you also as a nurse, right? Like, if you really, as a nurse, you already are giving so much. If you don't have a self-care burnout, and we'll talk on that later, you know, it's even worse because you need to to be able to also do your job as a nurse.
1: So tell me about your self-practice. What is your daily self-practice? Definitely meditation. And, you know, meditation for me didn't come easily. It's taken a really long time to um, do that because I'm I'm a type A. (laughs) I'm a nurse. And so we're always like, kind of overachievers and tons of lists to do and, you know, you're always in your head. So it took me a long time to develop my practice, but that's a really important component of my daily care now. So um, meditation every morning, um, a lot of times in the evening as well. Uh, And then a focus on the precepts. And that's something that I didn't feel was, you know, that was missing from my earlier trainings as well, is that although there were, you know, these are the precepts, it wasn't like kind of pulling them apart and saying, oh, I got really angry today. Let's pull that apart and see exactly what's going on with that anger or where's all this worry coming from today. So um, for me, the precepts are the foundation of the practice of Reiki. We have to we have to, you know, try to really be the precepts, really embrace the precepts in all that we do, because that's that's what it's all about. It's about healing our minds, right? So because when, you know, stress causes illness, and so the more that we can reduce stress with working with meditation and working with the precepts and meditation, the more we can heal our minds so that our bodies can be healthy and whole as well. So, uh, and then hands-on practice as well, of course. And I usually do that in bed in the morning.
0: Nice. Yeah, I'm like terrible. Hands-on healing, I have to do it. Like I do it on camera because when I'm on the bed, I fall asleep. I'm like every time someone says like, if you fall asleep, it's not hands-on healing. I'm like guilty. So I basically have to do it. Like I do it for like the practice, like on camera, but I actually do it like that at home too because I'm like by throat. So I admire you if you can do it on bed. And I, I love okay. what you said the precepts right so a lot of times like sometimes i feel the precepts have become like an instagram meme right we post them and we love them or we have them in pretty posters but there is little again little teaching about how the precepts are guiding your hands on healing right because right. like don't worry about where to place the hands exactly do not bring your anger like let go right be grateful that you're sharing the space with someone be compassionate or they right. guide your right like again why am i getting angry what are my triggers and even like they guide everything we do in reiki and they should guide in life so i love that for you like they have made such a difference how did you feel you when because meditation is challenging by the way in japan says that when meditation is challenging that means you're going to go deeper so it's a good thing but do you <laughs> see what is the difference that you felt when you start integrating the precepts in your practice versus just really focusing on the care of others and not meditating meditating
1: um, you know the, the precepts i think are you know because at least i don't go through a day without some kind of worry right so you know i can sit with that now and and really pull that apart and um and not go down the the route so much of stories not that they still don't happen right the stories that i make up about things that i worry about or things that aren't going to happen but when i sit in meditation with the precepts i can sit and say okay what is the story that you're following now and is this realistic and and then and then just sitting with you know not judging the story so much but just observing and realizing that it's a story and then I can then I can go back to my breath in my meditation uh, using the Joshin Koki Ho breathing, focusing my mind on the breath. And so you know it's like that with everything. And some days I am in meditation and I just feel grateful. And so then I use you know gratitude. Um, that Reiki precept of just sitting in gratitude and feeling wonderful Um, and of course being kind and compassionate and all those things but you know it's the first two that always trip us up the anger and the worry. Yeah those on
0: hashtag fake gratitude in my case like I'm a big one like I'm grateful no I'm not like you know I check with my body and I'm not but that's that's me because I'm like a little bit of a weird Scorpio. Uh but so beyond also their favorite element is the the precepts and basically they're the core of it. So I would love for you to give like some tips for you, for people to deepen their practice, right? So a lot of us who experience that we go to a training, Reiki one, eight hours, Reiki two, eight hours. And I know some trainings like the Open Center in New York and other are like longer, but the average training is eight hours per level and then masters with lock three days. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's that, like probably for Ricky, one or Ricky to like a tip to deepen their practice uh, three easy things they could do to really improve or go like just more energy flow deeper into it and I'm repeating myself like crazy
1: go ahead <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I, I was one of those people that did level one level two and level three in three days and I did it a couple times <laughs> um, and, yeah. and you know I think that's why I kept searching for something else and I think um again like if if you're you've taken a level 1 class you know they talk about the 21 days of uh you know practicing but and that's great as a jump start but you have to continue it after the 21 days right it's it's not everything isn't uh, all rosy after 21 days you have to keep doing the practice and so you know just encouraging encouraging meditation and if meditation is hard for you there's a lot of tools right now on the internet that can be really helpful so if you only want to meditate you know for two minutes that's fine or if you you want to sit quietly and you're struggling you can reach out to your reiki teacher or a meditation teacher but again meditation for me is an essential element um after a Reiki one class and, and sitting, you know, sitting with your feelings after the Reiki class and journaling about them and what's come up for you. And are thing has things shifted within you. Have things shifted um, in your thoughts about things or sometimes things get stirred up. Right. And sometimes we get angry about things even afterwards because um, something's changed and shifted within us. So just self-reflection, I'd say, was would be the second thing. Um, And the third thing, and I'll add a fourth, (laughs) is just your hands on this, of course, and and the precepts. Just don't forget about the precepts because it's all, you know, I think Franz says this too, is the precepts are the foundation and the outcome of the system of Reiki. It's, It's everything, you know, that we need to really bring those elements into our daily lives so that when we have like somebody gets mad at us and we don't have the knee reaction the knee jerk reaction like we typically do if we can be thoughtful and mindful about it if we're working with the precepts and being compassionate to ourselves and others
0: and i think that is such a beautiful thing you said a lot of times when i get students are like i want to do reiki full-time but i need to pay my bills and the business and i'm like we can do or be Reiki full-time right we can do our jobs and be compassionate be kind, be grateful, not worry other people, not anger with other people. And then we're actually changing the world in, like even further, right? So not all of us can live from rake practice, but we can bring rake into our lives 24-7 no matter what we do. And so what you just said, I think is so beautiful and so crucial, right? Yeah, and
1: I think, you know, um, that's, that's so important too. Um, and, you know, when I was still working at the hospital, Um, a lot of times my coworkers would um, call me into a room where there were angry people. Like if there was something went wrong with somebody's care or somebody was not happy with something that happened and they'd say, Hey, Holland, can you go in that room and do your thing? You know, and it wasn't doing a hands-on session. It was just going on and being present and, you know, allowing that energy to flow and allowing that, you know, loving compassion to flow um, so it's not always doing the hands-on Reiki but it's doing the work on yourself so that you can go into those kind of situations and not and just be able to be the calming presence and what a difference that can make for people when you're just present and allowing that beautiful energy to flow
0: oh, I love that yeah we have to rent you, we're going to travel you all over the US and share
1: your calming presence we're going to bring you especially to New York we're really angry in bringing you here not remotely <laughs> Not that it isn't challenging at times, that it, and that's for sure, but usually a lot of times it was amazing to watch how quickly de-escalation can happen when you're just being in a space of love and compassion. You know, people can feel that energy. But imagine if, if most of us will do
0: that, right? Like, I had a beautiful Ricky tree student. She told me, like, I didn't expect life would be so hard after my Ricky master, right? And I told her, like, listen life is still going to be a lot of crap on the way, but you're going to walk on the crap with calm and poised, right? It's just like, you know, you're going to be able to deal with it. And life is not going to be perfect or magical because you're a practitioner or teacher, but you're going to be able to make it a lot better and improve the lives of others just by being centered and calm and grounded and allowing the compassion yep. to flow through.
1: So I, I love that you we're, know, that's been-
0: we're very focused on the hands. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think that that's a, a piece also for me that I was searching for was more of a, a grounding practice. Um, not necessarily being, you know, um, I just need something stronger for myself to be more grounded because, um, because I suffer from anxiety a lot or, and I've come, i huge way from where i was before and sometimes it's still a challenge but i think with the meditation practice and um you know the way that i've been taught now it's being grounded is like such an important piece uh, going into our daily lives not only into reiki sessions uh, for others but also like just walking out into the world so what would you say
0: the biggest gift reiki practice has given you through the years is
1: Uh, I'd say the meditation piece, as much as, as hard as it was for me, I think that's uh, a key element. And, um, you know, we have to learn to quiet our minds a little bit where it's hard nowadays because of the computers and the cell phones and, you know, social media and we're used to seeing, you know, our minds can't stay focused for more than five seconds because we're just so stimulated. And so I think the meditation practice is really an important piece. Uh, to uh, being really well-grounded and creating some space in our minds so that we can um, go out in the world and be better. love that. And because also in this series of interviews to be very
0: human, so obviously, you know, we are amazing practitioners, teachers. We have an amazing practice. But I also want to talk a little bit about the biggest oops and mistakes we've done in our practice. Because ironically, I've learned more than my biggest mistakes than from my good. Calm meditation. So I I was wondering if you would mind sharing, being vulnerable and sharing one of your biggest oops, Reiki oops.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think, I don't know if it was an oops, but it was kind of the way that I went about things when I first started doing Reiki at the hospital because I had no clue, like there was no real precedent for me to follow, so I kind of had to find my way. Um, and the first time, well, actually it was the second time because the first patient that I ever did Reiki for was, he was just in so much pain. He didn't, it didn't matter. He was just like, whatever it is, I want it. And it did help him a lot. Uh, but the second patient that I went in to see, um, you know, I just did a knock on the door and said, Hey, I'm playing. I do something called Reiki. Would you like to try a session? And she said, well, well, tell me what it is. And I came out with the, you know, the, the standard, it's universal life force energy um, explanation, and she just kind of looked at me and like I was had three heads, and she's like, "No, thank you. I don't really think I w- I want anything like that." So, you know, it was for me learning how to like be thoughtful about how I explain Reiki, and and now that's that's morphed into you know i think it's so individualized because you know you go in and you chat with people first uh, and kind of see where they're coming from and then kind of you know tailor your definition to their the understanding that they might have already because now reiki is more well known than when i first started so it makes it a little bit easier now but i love what you
0: said because i think a lot of us when we start being practitioners we go with like do you know reiki reiki's blah, 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 right and we give this speech I think what you're saying is listen and then explain I think and checking if they know about it or not and what their perception is that is such a great tip for practitioners in general like in every walk of life I think for them yeah. even more important
1: yeah because you know sometimes they know some people knew there was a program there and so they would google something before I came in And it was not always the greatest thing because you know, sometimes you can go and get good information and then maybe not so great information. So, you know, it would be like, oh, it's this and this and this. And I'd be, well, you're on the right track, but you know, uh, how can we explain it in a better way? So it's um, more understanding.
0: Yeah. So they're asking a little bit, and I I think it's great if we can frame, especially on the more the healthcare world. How will you explain it now? Imagine I'm like, I'm not Natalie, I'm a person. I'm not close-minded, but I have not very much idea of Reiki, and I'm probably in pain in a bed. How will you approach me right now? Maybe we can do a little bit of role-playing. I know this is not part of our practice, but it
1: will be interesting
0: since you're asking. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. So um, I knock on the door, um, ask you how you're doing, if I could talk to you for a few minutes, um, and then uh, Is your name still Natalie, Natalie? Yeah, I'm still Natalie. But they don't have an
0: accent for these ones.
1: (laughs) Okay. So um, I'm a Reiki practitioner, and um, I share Reiki with um, patients at the hospital. And I was wondering if you might be interested in the session today. But before we even go down that road, I'd like to know if you've ever heard of Reiki.
0: I've heard of Reiki. So some people say like it's a massage with no hands. And then other people say that you just put the hands and the pain goes away. But I really don't
1: understand how it works. Well, um, Reiki can be done with hands on or hands off. So that piece is definitely correct. But it's really about uh, the practitioner just holding um, a space of quiet, peaceful energy and allowing that energy to flow to you wherever you need it. And sometimes it's a little hard to understand, but it's more experiential. And um, what I'd like to do is just do a short session for you, maybe just for five minutes of um, being quiet, maybe turning down the lights a little bit if you're okay with that. If you want to, we can play some quiet music. And just allowing you to experience this loving flow of energy. And then we can talk a little bit more about it afterwards, uh, about what your experience was with it. And if you feel like you've connected a little bit, then we can do a longer session.
0: I love that because it's so hard to explain, Ricky, like putting their experience and then using their own words to then guide them. I think that is brilliant. And I'm stealing that from you, like so badly. But it's a a great thing because Mm -hmm. it's also, again, in healthcare, and that's something we love to touch base and we discuss a little bit, right? So when we're in healthcare, there's a different mm-hmm. set of rules. Like, you know, we have to adapt the practice a little more. It's different than your personal practice. So what would you say are like the main differences in terms of like bringing a practice that maybe is more Western or more, more symbols or more ritualistic
1: into a hospital
0: or a healthcare environment, whatever that is? Uh, to keep it,
1: yeah, to keep it as simple as possible. You know, when you go into a hospital, you can't practice... Anything in the hospital, unless there's research to support it. So, you know, of course, I think we're going to talk about that later, maybe, but that's an important element. Uh, but as far as um, going in and starting a program, you need to know that hospitals, of course, have policies and procedures. So it's not as easy as always just going in and say, I want to volunteer and do Reiki. There has to be uh, a protocol. Uh, There has to be usually a mentorship so that um, people who've never been in a hospital before, as far as practitioners, know what to expect in that kind of setting. Because sometimes it's a little shocking for practitioners to go in who aren't used to, um, you know, maybe pain and suffering or seeing blood or things like urine or people throwing up. Right. So there's there's all these kind of surprises that you don't expect because you just want to go in and help and you want to help people not be in pain and things like that. Um, But you have to know that it has to be done in a structured way. Um, So there's um, when we set up our Reiki volunteer program, uh, we created a manual of um, structured hand positions uh, for the hospital setting so that so that it was um, a protocol. Pretty much because that's it, it, it. Kind of had to be that way in order to pass through all the powers that be. So the the hand positions were pretty much around the head, um, the arms, and the knees and the feet. Uh, because you have to remember that people have had surgery, and you know they might have had surgery on their abdomen. So we don't want to be touching on the abdomen, or we have to be very careful in talking about uh, you know to the patient. This is where you know, you can expect my hands to be placed. Is that okay with you? Uh, Just like you do. I do that in my private practice as well, Um, just so there's no surprises for the patient. But there's a lot of steps to get to before you get to even the patient part. I mean, there's things as simple as knowing how to put a hospital bed up and down uh, safely, because that's an important safety thing in hospitals is preventing falls. So if you put the hospital bed up and you leave with the bed up and the patient to get out of bed and falls, then that's not, um, that's not good. So there's a lot of things that you have to think about going into that kind of setting. That's, it's definitely more structured. And not that it can't be an intuitive session at all where, you know, that maybe you, you aren't quite following the hand positions. And also, I mean, we just want to have, um, a roadmap of where to go, basically, um, and and the protocol and um, the way we speak about it. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. But, but I love, there are a couple of things that I think are really important for
0: the people watching, like uniform, uniformity is just for people to feel safe. So it's not really about limiting your practice. It's just about creating a sense of safety because you have, first of all, patients from right, like, different beliefs, different belief systems, people who don't believe in anything. So you want to make it very simple, pared down. And the other thing I like is like, when you say like, it can be intuitive, but you know, it has to follow. I think sometimes it came to mind now, we perceive intuitive Reiki as being better than just hands position. And if the practitioner is in a space of compassion, your energy flows freely. Like it's just, again, we like, what is limiting can also be an opportunity to grow as a practitioner. If You have to do six hands position. Make sure you're there with all your energy and it doesn't limit you because you cannot do the practice as you want to. So I think limitations sometimes are where like, how can I grow as a practitioner versus complaining? Because I was hearing a lot of people starting the programs that are already established and like for them to follow the protocol, like only, like some programs they just hover, some they touch. It's difficult to be positive in the practice, but it's, I would love for them to understand how important it is to create this university and, uh, university, uniformity and
1: protocols for the hospitals to feel safe and for the patients, right? Right, I mean, the, the hospital needs to know that, you know, things are, are structured, because that's just how it works. You know, that's just part of a hospital environment. Um, and, and you're so right about being present for the patient. Like, you know, we sometimes we think that, oh, if I don't have my hands at a certain place, the energy isn't going to flow. But, you know, it, it, it always does. You know, and we set intention too, and I also talk to patients about intention because a lot of older people don't really understand what that means, you know, setting an intention. Um, and so we we talk about that a little bit, too, before the session, setting an intention, because what what Reiki should be doing in that kind of setting, too, is empowering the patients to work on their own healing process. Because that's what's re- that's what Reiki is helping with too, and it's self empowerment. Um, so yeah, that is amazing. That that, and honestly, I'm taking
0: that tip away because I always say set the intention to receive healing, and I never even consider someone may not understand it. So I think what you're saying is very valuable. Like let's not assume they understand our Reiki language and our Reiki. Like really take a step
1: back and make it very approachable for them. I love that. Yeah. And I think that's the whole part about being present, right? We have to be present so that we can make sure that we're communicating communicating clearly. That's uh that's a really important piece, I think, in that setting, that we're we have really clear communication. And I've been in settings already where I went into a patient's room and, you know, I I said, you know, when I think you signed up for a Reiki session, would you like it? And somebody got really angry and said, no, we absolutely don't want it. And then I had to ask why, and it's because that they they had had a bad experience uh, at another healthcare facility where a practitioner had come in and not even really talked to the patient and um, was drawing the symbols over the the patient and the family was sitting there and they had no understanding about what was happening. And it was really scary for them. Um, So I think we need to be like very clear in our communication. When we, when we try to explain what Reiki is and how we do it. And so um, just being present is really important. And when I talked to that family, you know, I said, can you, can you tell me why? And then they, of course that, they told me this story and, and then I was able to reeducate them and they were okay with the session then.
0: Oh, that That is beautiful. And, and what also what I'm hearing is like, we have to put, we have to listen to them first and our practice first, right? Like, you know, it's, it's funny because it's, it's sometimes we again, like at the end, is it an ego thing we go or, or is the way we're trained, we don't double sing, but we really need to take that step back and put their well-being really front and center. It's beautiful. And again, understanding, yeah. that, right? Because if we don't, we cannot do that. So it's very important. And so, because I know you also been trying a lot to really uh, elevate a little bit, you know, the standard of how we train for healthcare. Uh, if I'm, I'm a nurse and I wanna like really bring Reiki to hospital, like what can I do to make sure I'm bringing in, like a real good practice? What what steps should I take? And also what steps should I take care of myself not to burn out? Uh,
1: gosh, it's where, you know, I think, researching is good i get people that call me and interview me to ask about my experience and i think that's really important and i think that's really important to do with any reiki um, practitioner if you're going to take a class from somebody like call them up and say what's your practice like how do you teach um you know and as, as you know just making sure that you're connecting with somebody who maybe has had some experience with, with doing Reiki in healthcare settings um, and making sure that, you know, they're, that it's ask them what kind of practice they're doing. Like, is it a structured practice or, um, you know, I know there was a, a practitioner. I'm not exactly sure where it was, but um, they were doing tarot card readings before the Reiki sessions in the hospital. And that's, that's, Um, you know, not a typical standard of practice. So, you know, just making, asking a lot of questions about how the person practices um, and make sure that they have some experience in in healthcare. And and there are people out there who are doing it. Um, And just make sure that, um, you know, that there's some kind of protocol that's followed. Because oh, what was the second question? I'm sorry, Natalie. I'll go. I turned to
0: question. That was my bad. I'm being the bad interviewer. Uh,
1: no, I have another question. <laughs> I'll
0: go back to that. But, uh, so because also some teachers like you, you give a credit that is also valid. Like there are some points of credit for nurses, right? For example, I'm not qualified to give that. I just can train regular Reiki. So if you're a nurse and want to practice in hospitals, probably right. the teacher you want to look also should be someone and honestly, I took my first Reiki training from someone who gave the credit, but they were not nurses. And personally, I think it's actually nice that you're also a nurse, right? So you have the experience and you give the credits or points or whatever
1: they're called. So you may want to clarify that. Yeah, yeah. Um, every year, every two years, at least in Pennsylvania, nurses have to have um, 30 hours of continuing education credit. So um, it's a great way for nurses to learn a self-care practice. Um, and also get their contact hours in for their state licensure. Um, But for me, I uh, applied through the American Holistic Nurses Association for my continuing education credits. And it's is—it's definitely a process. It's uh, a lot of paperwork to fill out, Um, but it really helps you to really clearly define your programming as far as teaching. Uh, So I have a Reiki One for Healthcare Providers class Uh, That's a two day class and um, it has 12 continuing education credits. So when you apply for that type of thing, you have to also for nursing anyway, you have to have a nurse planner. So it's, um, you know, I had to contract with a friend of mine who does that. So, you know, so that she could be part of that process because it's a requirement because they want everything to be very educational and solid. So, uh, and that's why I think traditional Reiki practice is also great for healthcare because it's it's all about focusing on the precepts, it's all about meditation, it's all about taking care of yourself with a hands-on practice, and so it's very easy to teach, and it's also uh, not that you know you don't get the application returned three or four times with little tweaks, but it's relatively easy to um, get something like that through for, for continuing education hours.
0: And I love what you said, because, you know, and yeah, there are a couple of things I love. Solid, you know, solid practice and solid understanding of the practice. But also, if you're a nurse and you're going to be offering in hospitals, really on top of doing your nursing job, right, if you don't have a solid self-care burnout will happen. And I don't know if you had any experience with burnout or practitioner burnout and what advice you can give them.
1: Yeah, um I mean burnout is so I mean before COVID it was a real problem and of course it really is now again too. Um and I think that's one of the reasons I'm really a proponent of teaching Reiki in hospitals because the staff needs self-care. They need like a, a structured self-care program um that they can do for themselves every day. So it's it's you know definitely Reiki. <laughs> You know, if you can take a Reiki class as an RN or a, whatever you are working as in in a hospital setting or wherever type of whatever type of healthcare setting you're working in, whether it's extended care facilities or hospice, um, it's just a great self care practice. And then um, the other thing is setting boundaries. You know, is an important piece of avoiding burnout, not only of course for RNs but also for Reiki practitioners, because I think. Like innately, we want to hear people's stories and people like to share their stories. But we also have to be um, mindful of um, respecting people's their own time and our time and just um, being able to set boundaries, which was was a really hard thing for me to do because I'm a. a hand holder I worked for hospice for five years so I like to sit and listen but you have to remember that you need to take care of yourself so um, setting boundaries is like a really important piece Um, also self-reflection and journaling are um, an important piece too of you know avoiding burnout or working through burnout if you feel like you're getting there and reflecting on your Reiki practice and what you need to do in order to really care for yourself. And it's really always about filling your cup first. And people I think who are in the healthcare industry are such givers. They just wanna give and give and give and give uh, until it's too late and then you're tired and you're burned out and you're angry and you don't wanna do it anymore. But the same thing can happen with Reiki practitioners. If we go into a hospital and volunteer, and we go in for a two hour shift of of sharing Reiki with the patients, and we you know we end up only seeing two because we're just you know we just are are get a little too involved and not able to set boundaries um so that's really important, um not taking on people's things um it's part of boundary setting, of course um, and yeah, just. Doing your self-practice as a practitioner, just just recognizing that we need that self-care piece and sometimes knowing it's okay to walk away and say, no, I can't do this tonight or whenever it is that you're going in and saying, you know, I'm really feeling depleted today. I don't think I can um, be the best I can if I, if I need to go in and do Reiki at the hospital this evening. So I'm going to, you know, take some time for myself tonight and refresh myself and then go back next week or whenever
0: it's beautiful and that takes guts and being brave and brutally honest. And I think that is also not the usual perception of Reiki. Uh, You know, we see Reiki as very angelical and we make these people into angels, always saying, yes, I think Reiki should be more human and part of being human, a balanced human, as you said. If I cannot do it, you know, I have to be responsible with myself first and then even with others. And communicated and
1: just boundaries. I love that. It's I'm still not good at that. But and also to know that, you know, that we aren't, that we're human beings, right? <laughs> that we're not like, uh, you know, like I wish it was that way, but we are human beings too. Uh, whether we're, you know, a regular one practitioner or a Reiki master, it's all the same thing. Like we, we still have times that we experience a lot of stress in our lives. And so it's, it's kind of pulling back and saying, you know, I'm done not feeling great today, so I'm going to take a break. And just recognizing that within yourself, because when you push and push and push and then you just get burned out and you don't want to do it anymore.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I think that a couple of things are great, what like you said, and we always we hear from France, and we hear from all the Japanese, like, if you don't have tea, you cannot serve tea. So sometimes when we feel bad about doing that, we have to yeah. remember that we cannot really serve tea. We don't have it. And I just think it's that, again, being human, right? So uh, we take an eight-hour class. Um, we forget the word practice. I'm a Reiki one. No, you are practicing Reiki. So it's an ongoing thing. And some days are going to be hard. Some days are going to be good. That's part of the practice. It's not like we got an attunement and then we're magically a Reiki one person who's going to behave at a higher level of consciousness. Like that is also, it's a little bit of fantasy that is beautiful, but it's not helping us to really understand Reiki as a practice and it's sitting on your bum and, and embracing all your feelings. As you said at the beginning to the process. I'm angry, let me deal with it, right? Not, I should not feel angry because I got a Reiki today. Right. I, I love and I think healthcare makes Reiki even more human. The need for being human and down to earth is even
1: more important in, in that framework. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, to have an expectation that, well, the attunement is a wonderful spiritual blessing, you know, it's still, it, it doesn't mean that we don't have to do our practices. Like we have to do our practice. It doesn't end the day after the class. It keeps going for your entire lifetime as part of the whole journey. Um, and, you know, reflecting on the journey and where you were and where you are. And, you know, it, it's just it's just so important to um, to continue your practice and recognizing when you're not feeling good or, you know, your worry and anger are coming in and then just taking the time to work on yourself because you're going to be so much better for everyone else. If you do instead of pushing yourself constantly and trying to be this person that maybe you think needs to be up here, but you're just you're just we're just like we're all the same. We're all meandering through this journey trying to find the right way and um, be in a peaceful place.
0: Right. So I'm going to open, I was going to say the floor, but it's actually the chat box to questions. So if you have a couple of uh, questions, I'm happy. And meanwhile, one thing I wanted to point out, you have hundreds of experience, but you still do continuing training. So I would love if you can talk a little bit about what you do to keep on training or going deeper into your practice. Well, people, perhaps um, they can write a couple of questions they may
1: have for you. I'm sorry, Are you of- referring to like my own personal like? I, yeah, like do some- my own training that I keep doing. Is that what you? Mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. It's so yeah, I I go I go to Reiki retreats. Um, you know, uh, I do online things a lot. This is a great time where you can you know do some more work like um, with finding things online, not necessarily Reiki classes, but like delving deeper into your own practice um, meditation work things like that so yeah for me it's an ongoing education um, and I think that's just so important Um, I've you know I've heard people take they took one Reiki class or they're a Reiki master and they haven't taken a class for 20 or 30 years and there's been so much that's been learned about Reiki history and even of course delving deeper into your own spiritual practice that you can learn by just going to more and more and more and more trainings. Like you can't, it's it's this endless journey and the more that we can have tools that can we connect with that can help us go deeper within the better for um, the people that we live with and the people that uh, we encounter every day, um, people that we work with, um, just for the whole world.
0: Yeah, and I, I, it's funny, like um, we've been to the same retreats with our, we share a mentor so that everybody knows. And you and I, we go to the the same retreats and sometimes we hear the same things, but because our practice has moved one or two years, we we understand it differently. We understand different layers. So sometimes you can even go to the same kind of trainings, but because you're in a different place, you get more subtlety. So, you know, sometimes it's not even like having to do 300 different trainings, but just, you know, even like sharing practice with people you have been practicing for years, like sometimes sharing points of view and those reflections you've mentioned so much that, yeah, taking the time to reflect. And like, by the way, Elaine, like I reflected and I have this crazy idea, right? Like today I've been off from my questions because I've been reflecting with you, but this is really important as well to have a community to share. <laughs> I, I love Claire. Uh, she's a Patreon member and she just said, uh, I got my attunements and expected that it will be made it changes. I realize now that the practice is ongoing. And attunements, yes, they are baboom. They do bring change, but a practice Would be great. So she has a question. Or he, Claire, I don't, I, I'm putting a gender, so apologize, uh, because the name could go either way. So do you share your hospital protocol plan with other practitioners who will be, uh, who would like to start a program in a healthcare setting? Um, I
1: don't because every hospital program is going to be different. So it kind of, you kind of have to tailor it to the program that, um, the hospital that you're working with. Um, I have a Reiki and hospital workshop that I do for Reiki practitioners that kind of like gives you ideas on how to set that kind of thing up. But as far as the whole protocol, I mean, I can't share the protocol from the hospital because that's, you know, that's their information. But I do, I can give guidance on that, uh, to that end. And again, I do that in the workshop um, that I do. And I also
0: want to add, again, since I met Helene, I gravitated to her. We were 43 people in a room and she was among a bunch of calming presents, she was a big calming presence, loving and light. And she gave me amazing tips about Lancaster World Tweet. And then I was really grateful we got to meet again and deepen that connection last year. But I really want to say how much I admire what you do and your work and how much effort you put into it. And also how grateful I am that you're sharing this with you know everyone, this wisdom, because Again, we don't talk a lot about Reiki in healthcare. We talk a lot about Reiki's, the key, the law, but we don't talk about the details that make all the difference when we're going to do and take that practice in everyday life, right? Like one thing is our beautiful workshop, but when you get into hospitals, again, the bed thing, putting up and down the bed, I will be the one who killed the person and fell down, right? Because I will not even think about those things. And again, those are the things that knowledge, You you know, and- at least awareness that we need to know that is what will allow us to actually bring the practice in a more serious way in healthcare and to be more accepted and really start getting bad that we are right we're getting you know a little bit out of the way and bring all that beautiful healing uh, to more people so i'm really really grateful and suzanne is on suzanne is actually a nurse if i'm not wrong because sometimes i get wrong so i'm sure she's pretty happy yes got it right so she knows what we're talking about. She experienced that <laughs> person. Uh, and I also want to say the transcript to the interview will be published uh, in my blog, DiveIntoReiki.com slash blog, uh, next Tuesday. The video will be widely available on YouTube and my Facebook on Tuesday. And I will include in the notes for the podcast and everything. The podcast takes like two weeks. So it's probably going to be January all your contact information for Helene, but if you have like a shortcut of where to find your right now website, please feel
1: free to share right now for everyone. The best way to contact you. Yeah, and thank you everybody for your comments for being here this evening. I'm I'm really grateful. I love uh, talking about Reiki healthcare. So um, Natalie will share my information. If you have any more questions, feel free to contact me. Thank you, Natalie. I am so grateful. And thank you for the beautiful, uh, drawing
0: I'm so honored so thank you thank you for listening to the Dive into Reiki podcast you can read a full transcript of today's interview at diveintoreiki.com slash blog if you found this episode helpful please hit the subscribe button leave me a review or just share it with your friends it makes all the difference thank you gracias merci